Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. This is a very special episode of the Hot Copy Podcast because we are giving you the chance to go back in time. This is the episode where Kate and I talked about different types of copywriting clients, 16 types of copywriting clients, in fact, how to spot them and how to work with them so that your copywriting project is smooth sailing. Where is Kate, you're asking? It's a very good question. Kate and I are taking this episode off because we are both giving our big courses a massive overhaul. Kate's recipe for SEO success and my copywriting masterclass. If these are things you're interested in, look out for us online. Otherwise, let's get in to this juicy, juicy flashback. Kate and I have each had pretty much all the clients that we're going to talk about. Um, so we're going to be going into what each client is like and sharing some of our tips on getting the best out of your client because it makes life a heck of a lot easier. So Kate, do you have a favorite type of client before we get in? Well, it's funny. We were, we were actually talking about this on, on Facebook today. I, I interviewed somebody today and they said uh, the type of client you get is a reflection of the type of how you work and, and who you are. Um, and I know that you kind of agreed with it, but didn't 100% agree with that. Um, but <laughs> I think, I think, it, you know, I do like clients who have a good sense of humor and um, who are easygoing, but who are organized and who, you know, get stuff done. Um, but you aren't too stressy, uh, which I think when it comes to copywriting, at least, not life, that kind of describes me, uh, you know, so fairly organized, doesn't get too stressed about work, kind of sometimes funny. I don't want to say that. That sounds really arrogant. But so, you know, I guess people who get me and, and people who I can get, which is not a particular type, I suppose, Tunesque clients, Tunesque clients that would be my favorite yeah I, I think I agree with you there I like the easygoing and the organized um I like clients who pay <laughs> on time yeah, oh, those, those clients are awesome yeah they're really awesome so even if it's a bit of a horror show if they pay we can have yeah. water under the bridge <laughs> oh you're all about the money honey oh yeah so the first client I wanted to talk about is the lover of big words and flowery language now this client can sometimes be a frustrated creative writer or maybe a super professional bigwig who thinks big, long, complicated words will just make them look more professional. Um, but either way, whether it's a flowery language or a big words, um, your succinct, snappy, lovely conversational copy never fits their idea of what is proper writing. So these are always kind of frustrating and for me it just involves a lot more explanation about what makes for effective copywriting and more often than not I think I, I bring clients around because effective copywriting is copywriting that converts, it's not necessarily what the client thinks is in air quotes proper, in proper writing and so I think if you just talk about focusing on the objectives that they want to achieve and what the readers will respond to. You can usually get them to put aside their own um, ideas about what copywriting should be. And the other um, tip I have is providing some examples of, say, copywriting that can be what you would write, conversational, succinct, awesome, um, and show them how it can still be professional and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you can kind of spot 
these kind of clients up front in the way that they correspond with you so in the emails that they send you the language that they use in those emails I think um, big words flowery words and, and overly formal formal form, formal um, you know I always have big debates about you know whether you should be saying purchase or buy or acquire or get you know plain English kind of conversations and I, I think you can also spot this type of client when they send through the examples of copy they like um, and, you know, if that copy is very verbose and flowery, then they're probably going to want that too. And I do think it's a fine line of between pulling them back um, and making them agree with you and kind of giving them what they want, you know. So yeah. maybe I'll shove a few more adjectives in there just to keep them happy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think we've talked about this before in another pod, but we'll, I always have one crack at explaining my process and the theory and why it's it might be a better path and then if they still want to go their way, then we work on that together. Yeah, exactly. I think my next one on the list is disorganised clients. Um, so I mentioned earlier that, you know, I do like clients who kind of have a process or work with my process. You know, the kind of client that you send them the brief and they don't fill it in or they, you know, just write one word answers. Um, they, they cancel, I mean, cancelling meetings, I think is the height of rudeness, especially if it's a physical human meeting. Um, or, or even, you know, cancelling Skype calls, constantly moving calls, not responding to requests for information or providing, you ask them for three things, you get one. You ask for the other two, you get one again. Um, you know, revisions are late, revisions are messy, or they don't make any revisions in the first draft and then they make thousands of revisions in the third draft when you thought you're pretty much finished um so you know they're 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 a real struggle because obviously you're you're trying to keep the project on track you're trying to keep it on budget and on deadline and they are sabotaging their own project um so you know some tips on dealing with those kind of guys are you know we again we talk about this ad nauseum but unless you are willing to be the leader in the project and be a strong leader um then it's you know they're going to carry on being disorganized you need to kind of explain to them how your process works what the steps are involved in that you need to have a timeline with dates attached to tasks you need to monitor those tasks you need to project manage the project you know the more lackadaisical you are and the more you let them flow and let them go the worse it's going to get so you know you need to pull them back in line and you need to be firm about what's needed from them to get the project completed and you need to talk about consequence so we had an example of a lady in my group who was really you know delighted to have got this job and the client played the deposit and they set up a date to have the briefing and the client missed the briefing date. So she set up another date and the client missed the briefing date. Oh, and she's oh. kind of sitting there and she's put time aside to do that work and she can't. Um, she can't get on with it. And you think, well, why does she care? She's got the deposit. But you do care. You want to get through the projects and move on to the next project. You know, you want to, I, I, I do anyway, you know, I don't like it when they just sort of hang out there in the ether so um i think it's timelines process and you know being strong and leading the project and not being afraid to say to the client okay you've missed this date the consequence of this is i can't now slot you back in until this date you know and make it a big consequence make it a week from now or two weeks from now so they realize that if if, if they are gonna miss deadlines there will be an impact to the overall project how do you manage those kind of clients belinda um, 
very much like you um, described, Kate. I think there are, they can be spotted early on in the process just through the email exchanges if there tends to be long delays between email exchanges. Um, you can tell that they're just maybe under the pump at their end, but they are not considering the copywriting project as a high priority, which means that you're always going to get pushed low. And it, if I decide to go ahead with a client like that, um, I just have to mentally assign, I have to assign more time to keep cracking that whip. And hopefully I can include it in the proposal. But if not, it's just that kind of mindset, as you said. Um, I've always been very quick to say, well, I'm, I'm fully booked at the moment, so I can't, I can't pick this project up anymore or something like that. As you said, make the consequence matter because you're trying to manage your time. And if someone doesn't respect your time as well as their own, it's almost impossible to get it done in a speedy fashion. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I had fewer clients and I was focusing 100% on copywriting, you know, I was very bang, 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 you know, I was very severe and firm with my timelines. I must admit, now that I don't have as many clients and I have a lot more going on, I'm a bit more flexible with my processes. And, you know, I've got a client who um, was working on get, gathering some assets for the first draft. It took him ages. And I was kind of relieved because I actually didn't have any time to work on it. And now it's come back. And because he took such a long time, I feel that I could take a fair amount of time to come back to him. So it does kind of ebb and flow you know what I mean if you, yeah. if you make, sometimes it's quite nice when you have disorganized clients because it means you can be a bit disorganized too which I am at the moment as Belinda knows doing this podcast with me I am a nightmare um we have we all, all have those mo- we all have those moments well unfortunately it's been a continuous moment for many months now so yeah I think you know really consider is what the impact is on you can you cope with that impact because you can just jump onto another project or do something else or take the day off and have some life or is it really messing you around and if it's really messing you around then be firm but otherwise just be grateful (laughs) go with the flow now the next type of client I've got is kind of at the at the other end of the scale. It's the micromanager. And Ew. this is the yeah, this is the client who say they want heaps of meetings. They want to meet you in person. They want to be on the phone. Um, and they want to give you lots of little changes or they want to know what's happening with the projects but every time they email to ask you is another minute that you're not working on the project so it's just a client who kind of gets in your face in the process and kind of gets in the way of you doing what you you need to do but the the meetings and the phone calls are big flags for spotting this kind of micromanager client and the big thing about meetings and phone calls, like Kate, I know and I love this idea of what you do is you put in a certain amount of discussion time in your proposal. And yeah. and I think both of us have always worked outside of a central business district. So traveling to meetings is nigh on impossible. You know, I've always explained to clients who want to meet that I have a very, very strong online process that has worked for many clients and they once they're assured that I have a strong process around chatting over the phone and stuff they're usually okay or once they find out I'm going to charge them for the hour and a half travel time each way then meetings aren't usually so much of a problem but you can spot these types of clients pretty early in the process but if you keep going on and they keep micromanaging the project it can be really time consuming and that that time you're spending is not writing copy and it's not profitable time. So I guess some tips, 
How before we move on to tips, how would you spot this type of client, Kate? Uh, I mean, I think you know, often people will ask upfront for the meeting, and I think you know, I think I make it very clear that that's you know, it's not something that I'm able to offer. And like you, you know, that I I would offer a Skype chat, you know, with video, which I think honestly is a lot better. You get a lot more done and if they're persistent in wanting the meeting then they're, they're really just not the client for me and I'll, I will pass them on to another uh, copywriter some you know at the end of the day some people do want to meet people and you know Belinda and I are both sort of saying oh we, we wouldn't do that or oh, we would charge for time you've got to make that decision sometimes it could be awesome meeting clients face to face you know I've um in the early days I met a lot of clients in the relationships I formed were fantastic because nothing bonds a relationship like you know sitting together in a cafe and having a cup of coffee so if you can afford the time and you're not crazy busy then I would do it um you know because it's worth it but maybe you have a lockdown the scope and maybe got a deposit before you meet anybody don't meet anybody on spec to talk about a project that may never happen um yeah do you do you agree yeah absolutely because a quick can we have a chat over coffee um oh. you you spend three or four hours around that quick chat and it turns out to be a couple of hundred dollars and you you never make that money back so you know like you said you can't be just say no, no, no all the time. You have to work out what works for you. And if you live in a CBD, it's often super easy. Or if you're working with a lot of local businesses, it's it's a lot easier to meet people um, and talk about their project. So I guess the tips are is know what's acceptable for you in terms of the time you have available for meetings. Um, advise clients that you do have a great process if you can't meet them um, and offer to talk with them over Skype, you can still video, as you said, and um, maybe define the amount of discussion time in your quote and stick to it. I think that's a great idea because the other side of the micromanager is someone who's always trying to get stuck into the process and that can really slow up your writing. So making sure you have a time limit on how often and how much time they can spend discussing revisions or this or that or the other can really help curb the enthusiasm a bit yeah and I think a couple of tips I'd like to add there are you know if you are going to have a meeting really do try and make that that meeting work for you so you know maybe book a day in a business hub um, and, and have the meeting there so that there is potential for maybe to make some other connections on that day and you know get the most out of that that day that you're going into the city or or even just that even if you live in the city that day that you're getting your hair done and putting an outfit on you know make the most of that day um and uh, I think as well you know track your time in toggle uh, with discussion time so that you can actually go back to the client when they say oh we I don't think we've had an hour's worth of discussion what are you talking about you can actually send them back a screen grab of the dates and times that you've chatted nice. so you know, keep it a little sticky on your page saying turn toggle on but I think another really important thing is to, is to try to get to the root of why they are micromanaging so most micromanagers are micromanaging because they don't they have a trust issue or they've had a negative experience before they've had a project go wildly out of budget or it's you know gone terribly wrong and, and the, the end result wasn't what they wanted so you know try and um, get to the get to the bottom of, of why they uh, have are needing to have so much contact and try and offer them as many 
reassurances as you can that you kind of got this, you know, you know what you're doing. And again, I think that comes back to authority and leading the project and not dilly-dallying and, and kind of showing that, you know, you're in control and it's all good and you can relax because that's what you're paying me for. You're not just paying for the words, you're paying for the fact that you don't have to worry about all this stuff. That's what I'm doing, you know. Um, so that that's my additional tip. Yeah, I think um, they're good ones. Crackers. Cool. And the next, oh, this is an awful one. Ugh, I bet everyone will <laughs> groan when we read this one out. The free sample client. So I can't tell you how many times people come to me and say, oh, this client has contacted me and they've asked me to do a sample of my work. Um, it's very common. Um, and honestly, it really gets my goat. You know, the example that we always give is, you know, I don't, if I need my bathroom renovated, I don't ask the plumber to come and refit my toilet for free and then judge how good of a job he's done on my loo and then say okay happy with how you did my loo you get the job you know it just doesn't work like that um we are professionals our time is worth money and you know you don't get nothing for free in this world well unfortunately you do that's the problem so you know it's difficult, I think, isn't it, Belinda? Because in our notes here, we've written down, you are not auditioning for a part, but you kind of are. You know, every job is, you know, you know that you're up against other people um, and that the potentially they've maybe got quotes from other copywriters and you do want the job. So how low do you go? How far do you go to get that job? How much do you give away before you get some money? It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And I, and I do agree with you that we are kind of auditioning, but I, in a way, I think our website is our audition. The, the copy we write on our website is how we promote ourselves. The way we promote ourselves on social media. The things in our portfolio, I, you know, like if you don't have a lot of things in your portfolio already, this isn't quite the selling point that it will become. But when you have a fully stocked portfolio, you've got a lot of samples there. So I don't think you need to create another sample as a freebie for someone. It's tougher when you're starting out and you haven't got a lot of things in your portfolio already, but I still think it's a cheeky request to ask for something for free if you've got a lot of pieces of work that you can present, including your own marketing, as examples of your work. Well, I think that's it. And I think you wrote a good post a while ago about how to um, you know, get work when you don't have a portfolio. So maybe we can include that in the links. Um, you know, uh, for those of you who are just starting out, you know, maybe it's, there is an opportunity to write some sample pieces. You know, pick a brand, a big brand, and, and write a flyer for them or write a blog post for them and just put it in your samples and just put a caveat at the top saying, you know, this is a sample uh, written. You know, this is not this. Do you know what I mean? Like put some yeah. wordage in there that explains that it wasn't for a client it's just a sample but I think that's the problem that a lot of the people who do get asked for free samples don't have a very beefy site their site is very thin they haven't blogged much they don't do much um, social media that you know they, there isn't much for the client to go through you know yeah. um, I'll, be, I, I'll be honest I haven't been asked for a free sample in maybe four or five years and that's because there is so much stuff on my site that if by the end of looking through my site you don't have an idea of how I write well then you know, 
You're not for me. I was going to say something rude then, but I'm not allowed. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there's a reason why you're getting asked for a pre-sample, and it might be because there's just not enough on your site. So um, you can either take it two ways. You can you can do the free sample, um, and you can put it in your portfolio as an example of a sample. You know, because as in Belinda's post, I think you recommend writing stuff. Yes. Um, so this is a stuff that you've written. You can offer them. Um, uh, to pay uh, to do a paid sample and then maybe if you want to make that more enticing maybe reduce the rate um, or say that if they actually take on the full job um, you'll give them some kind of so you know here's a sample I'll charge you $100 for it and if you end up choosing me for the project I'll knock this off the, I'll do something do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, I think that's a fantastic idea. You, you like a, some sort of reduced pro ratery thing that gives yeah, them an incentive exactly. to say yes. And another thing is like if you could say, um, I, I can write you a, a sample, one of the tips from the post I wrote, I can write you a sample, but I would like um, – I. I will use this on my website um, yes. and I'd love to get a testimonial. So, yes. you know, you can try and get a situation where you are getting something out of it, even if it's not money. Yeah, and the, but do be careful. There was a situation in, the, in our community where somebody had been asked for a sample and, and they um, mentioned the first name of the person who asked it and about four other people said they'd been asked for a sample too, but all the samples were different. Mm. And, and and then somebody else piped up and said they'd heard from this person before and it was their tactic. They got free samples for five or six writers. They used them and they didn't need to actually pay for a real writer because they just gathered all this free stuff. So, you know, you do have to be careful. Um, but, you know, you also have to examine. You can be all stampy footy and go, I'm not going to do this. It's outrageous. But if you don't have a huge portfolio um, and you don't have proven experience of writing for that industry or in that style, sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, know? that's sometimes right. I mean, you, you and I are lucky enough that I can go, ah, I did this job in 2009 for a pet sock company. Um, you know, there's so many jobs that we've done that there's going to be something that's relevant or there's going to be a brand that we've worked on that's impressive enough to say, like, I haven't actually written about um, solar panels, but I did do this work for Energy Australia when about, you know, solar reusage and they're like, that kind of shuts it down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're starting out you don't have it so I think as you said either get a small payment or get some kind of juice out of it testimonial or the, the ability to use it on your site another, another thing you could do is if they're asking for a sample website page you could say well one thing I can do is write you an introductory an introductory paragraph or two not the whole page because in, in order to write the whole page I would actually need to do a complete brief so I really understand your business yeah, and also I think it's fair enough to say, you know, you want a 400-word sample, but let's be honest, if if you don't like my, my tone in the first 100 words, you're not going to like the other 300. So how about I just do 100? And, uh, you know, if you're getting a good vibe from that, we can take it from there. You know, like the length of the sample is something that can be debated. You know, yes. don't just go, oh, that one, a 600-word piece of copy. No, you don't. You're going to like what I've written in the first paragraph, or you're not. Or you you're know, not. <laughs> Yeah, because that's what readers will do, as we know. So you can use that as an example. Most readers, you know, will will, will read like 10 seconds worth of copy before they decide if they like it or not. So it's first impression. So I don't need to write a five-page sample. I'll give you one paragraph and we'll go from there. Yeah, that's right. So there's some cracking tips there and we'll include a link to the, the post that I wrote about, you know, promoting yourself when you've got no experience or portfolio. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so the client, the next client I have is the one who can't explain their business, and I had way too many of these clients. Um, gives me a migraine. So you know they just do their business. I find. Sorry, tradies, but I'm um, tradies aren't going to be listening to this pod. But I found tradies to be the worst. They're so busy in their business, doing their business, that they haven't thought about any of the marketing stuff that I wanted to know as a copywriter. Um, they had a lot of trouble explaining their business to others, and this is moving beyond tradies now. But this type of client can't really explain what they do very well. Um, and they can't really explain it to you. It's very easy for straightforward industries, lawyers, plumbers, dog walkers, things like that. But when you start having clients with quite complicated solutions, I'm looking at you, most of the professional services in the industries, they need more explanation. But as a copywriter, you if you don't get that from the client, it's almost impossible to break it down into a simple, straightforward explanation for their clients. And you don't want to have to get into this in-depth brand analysis kind of stuff when you're just trying to get your brief done. So so that kind of client who doesn't, who just does their business and doesn't really know about their business marketing, I've always found really tough to work with because it's very time consuming to get information out. Did you ever have those clients? Yeah, I think I do. But I also, I feel their pain. You know, I do feel their pain. Like, you know, you go to a client and say, what makes you special? Or how are you different to your competitors? Or, you know, what's the real heart of what you do? And they, you know, they don't know because they've never thought of it that way. You know, I do understand why it's tricky. And, you know, everyone will go, well, I'm, 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 I've got loads of experience. That's why I'm different. You know, and it's, it's hard. So I, I do get it. But I also do think it's kind of the job of the copywriter to, look at it and 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 try and pull something out and go is it this is it this is it this yes. you know and then hope the client goes yes that's it god i've never thought of it that way that's you know i i think you know i know some copywriters expect an awful lot um from their clients you know they expect really amazingly completed briefs and you do occasionally get those but not very often you know uh so you do have to fill the gap sometimes and go, well, you don't know what it is, so I've had a go. Is this what it is? And see what they say. Yeah, that's very true. And I, one thing I that my copywriting brief evolved, the area that it evolved the most in was the prompter questions that I had for myself. Because as you say, like we're asking big questions and some of the students on my course, one of the things I recommend is when I give them the copywriting brief that I use um, with all the questions in, I say, answer these for your own business and just see how hard it is and um, a few students recently were like I can't I can't answer these questions for my own business and it just gave some perspective on it on how hard it is to sort of go why are you unique in the marketplace simple question but it's really hard so just like you said I think it's important to let them know just how important this information is if you're going to write effective copy and if they can't answer the questions in your brief then maybe they aren't quite ready to start the project. So I would often give clients a chance for a timeout. Like, you know, I always talk to the talk people through the brief on the phone because I think once you're expecting people to give you a great written brief, they've hired you because they can't communicate in words in the way that they want to. So expecting them to write a really good written brief is a bit counterproductive. So I always jumped on the phone, but if they really, even after all my prompting and suggesting, they couldn't answer the questions, I would often say, okay, this, I don't think you're quite ready to start with the copywriting. 
I think you should take some time to think through these answers. Is that is that harsh? Do you think? I think you're awful. I don't. I'm a beast. No, I know. Well, I, I take a different approach. I don't talk them through the copywriting brief. I do make them have a pop, but I don't have particularly high expectations. Um, really, all you know. I'm a, my process is a bit different in that I, I want the brief because I want to know the quantity of work so that I can do a proposal and a, and a, and a scope. And I don't, you know, I'm trying to work out how much there is to do and what they want me to do so that I can quote it. And then I get their deposit and then we start the project and then we have our chat. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to waste time on anybody until I've got money in my bank account. So, you know, then I will go through the brief and go, well, you kind of didn't write anything in box one. Let's have a chat about that. You know, so it's, it's slightly different. And I think one of the, the classics for this is startups. So um, a lot of uh, you know a lot of copywriters I know won't actually work with startups, and it's often because they haven't really worked out what their business is going to be or who their audience is. You know, they just got an idea, and they're kind of wanting you to almost be their business coach and work it all out for them, um, which is a lot of work. You know, because you're kind of sort of showing them something going is this it is this it is this it and they haven't they don't know because they they're hoping you're going to help them form their business idea so you might sort of sometimes see copywriters saying you know that they don't work with startups or this and you might wonder why well that's why uh, because this process is even worse sometimes with startups you'd hope that someone who's been in business for a few years would have a vague idea but you know as you say Belinda often they don't and it's pretty tricky. Yeah, one of my students, um, Jan, she's actually going to be offering a comp- like a, a complimentary, not as in free, but uh, maybe the word is right word is supplementary service of like a little mini branding workshop. So if people are really struggling with thinking about their brand, she's going to have an add-on service to her copywriting, which I think is quite smart because it's time-consuming. So if this is something you're interested in, then pursue it as a service that you can offer to value add your own copywriting. But if it's not, then maybe you have to look at ways that you can extract the information from them or give them time and space to work it out on their own. Yeah, and one of the easiest ways to do that is just to say, is it a bit like this and show them a competitor? You know, and they go, oh, no, no, we're not like this because they're this and they're this. And uh, that is one of the best ways to use comparison to get them to identify what they really are. Let's move on to the next uh, client type, Uh, the inarticulate client Uh, or the one who says, I I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't know why I don't like it, but I don't. I can't. I just don't like it. Ah, um, I hate this client. <laughs> I know. I've read through it a while, and it's fine, but it doesn't really pop. You know, I really wanted it to pop. Um, and you know, and you're like, well, what, what, what is it that you don't like? I just can't put my finger on it. I just don't like it. And you're like, oh, for the love of God. Yeah. And this Sorry. is, this is, I have to jump in and say, this is someone. I feel their pain. I really do, but it doesn't help me as a copywriter. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. And, um, I oh God, it is, you're right. Cause it is something that I think I've probably said. Like, um, but I think, you know, especially with designers, you know, like a designer has done something for them. And they were like, I don't like it. It's not umphy enough. You know, it's the classic, can you make the logo bigger? Yeah. Um, that's the only thing you can think of. So I think it does happen a lot. But I think, yeah, again, so it's your job as a copywriter to try and help them. If they knew exactly why they didn't love it, then they wouldn't need a copywriter. Do you know what I mean? So it is your job. So, you can, you know, it's kind of asking questions about it. Like, um, you know, is it, are there any particular words in the sentence that you just really don't like? So when I have a copy deck at the beginning of my copy deck uh, template, 
facilitate. I create what I call a lexicon, which is a list of pet hates and pet loves that the client has. Everyone's got them. You know, like I don't like words like innovative and passionate and unique. And often, you know, the, the I don't like it, but I can't tell you why. It can be a single word um, that's really making them great or a single phrase. And that that's it. That's the thing that's getting them. It's not the whole thing. It was just that first sentence. It, I think often I find that, the reason clients don't like stuff is it's either too formal or too informal and um, that can be a big thing so you know you can ask about that um, you can make sure that you've got the factual information right because you know again it can be a fact that you've written there that they're not actually happy with and it's not the tone it's some of the the way that you've expressed some of their features and benefits that aren't quite hitting the mark so you know you almost have to go and narrow have I got the information right is it factually correct you know are there any words on the page that you don't like is there a particular sentence that makes you go ew you know and then and, and almost like be a little detective and and go through um uh, each of those elements and as we said earlier you know comparison so are there any sites it's in my brief which sites do you love and which sites do you hate it's a much more important question. You know, is there any sites there that you've what don't don't need to be related to their industry at all. They can be just other websites. And by looking at the other websites, you can say, well, this website uses a lot of slang. So I'm guessing that a client doesn't like slang. You know, if they don't like this one, then you know what I mean? Yeah. So I use that a little bit. Um, and, you know, so just giving them tips um, and a bit of a framework so that they can help you help them yeah absolutely and because as I said I I feel their pain I've, I do the same for graphic designers where I'm like I can't tell yeah. you why I don't like it I'm sorry <laughs> and so, but you have to it's your job as a copywriter to do exactly as you said to extract the information from them give them the framework give them some tips some ideas of how they can articulate what it is they want changed and I used to do exactly the same thing maybe step through the copy page by page and just start talking about it and I I would find you would you just start talking about things like that and they have it in front of them things kind of bubble up to the surface and you get a much clearer indication the next thing I would often do is, do is just go back to the brief not often it never happened often but go back to the brief and kind of go okay well this is the tone of voice that you said you you'd like and these are the websites you pointed me towards well they still is that still correct this is what you told me about how your services work is that still correct and I, I found that sometimes through looking through the brief you could also pick out a few little things that they would say oh, okay well well, what I can do is I can actually change this list so it focuses more on that. And they go, oh, yeah, 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 that's great, you know. Yeah, I definitely think it's a phone call kind of thing. If somebody oh, comes definitely. back and says that, you can't just manage it through track changes. You have to speak to them because they could also just be having a really bad day. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. the other thing, you know, um, and you actually get on the phone and when you get to the heart of it, that you know, they're just having a bad day. Yeah. What's next on your list? Well, speaking of bad days, the nitpicker. So it's kind uh, of similar to the micromanager, but this is a client who – fiddles and fiddles and changes so many little things that you end up on version 15 before you can even realize it because you know most copywriters include two rounds of revisions that's three versions in total but you know sometimes you get to version three and they're like oh it's just can you just maybe change that one little word and then it's like oh can you just maybe tweak the call to action and there's such small changes that you go oh okay well well it's only just a small change this is how I get drawn in oh, it's only a small change. Yes, I'll do it. And then all of a sudden it's another version and another version and another version. So 
you know, something we've mentioned before is if they don't read the copy properly on the first draft, then you tend to get these drip feeding of changes that go on and on. So what I would always do is be very clear about how many revisions are included in the quote and give people guidelines on revisions. So just that's about giving people advice that getting all the revisions together in the first revision load is a lot more cost effective for them. I would often use word like cost effective because that reminds them that they're paying money and if they faff about, they're going to pay more money. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm very specific that people only get X amount of rounds of amends. And if the amends do fall out of them, you know, I will do one favor and I'll make it very clear like, oh, yes, I'll do this one amend. It is out of scope, but I will won't charge you for this one amend. Uh, but if there are any more amends moving forward, it will be charged at my hourly rate of blah. Mm. Um so, you know, you do one favour and use that favour as a way to reinforce the fact that there will be no more favours. Um, you know what I mean? Because we don't we want to be we don't want to be so anal about our processes that we're not willing to kind of correct one sentence on page seven. That's just silly. Yeah, that's but right. You need, to, you need to close the door behind you as you do that change and say, did that one. Um, but, you know, if there are any more, why don't you pull them all together and I'll bill you uh, for like an hour to do all of them in one go or something like that. Yeah, that's right. I like that analogy. Close the door. The door is close closed. Close the door behind you. <laughs> Next client is the one who wants it done yesterday. So that super urgent client. Um, so they're the kind of client that rings up and they sound all sweaty or they send a really curt email and say, are you, are you free? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and of course, some projects are urgent. And often what happens is, you know, other copywriters have let them down or, you know, they thought that they had more time to get the copy done. And suddenly the developer or the designer has asked for it today and they're in a panic. Um there's a couple of things here, you know, that often urgency, the client's urgency can create urgency within you and make you feel quite panicked. Um, so it's really important not to let that urgency spread. Yeah. So to take a step back and, and look at the project and go, it's urgent to them. Can I fit it in? You know, what, what implication is this going to have on the rest of my processes and projects if I take this project on? If you can, Great. If you can't, don't just leap at it because they said it's urgent. You want to be nice. You want to do people favors, but you could end up annoying the clients you already have by messing them around just to help this urgent client. Um, so, you know, if it, I think, and also often these super urgent projects are often the ones that the clients are quite disorganized or a little bit difficult because, you know, maybe they aren't the best planners and they aren't that organized and it's going to impact on you as well. Do you, do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Because every time I broke my bum to write their copy, yes. they would suddenly have another priority. Oh, oh, well, this isn't as important anymore. We can leave it for another two weeks. I'm like, uh, I just worked all weekend on this. Oh, that always happens. Can you hear that dog howling? in the background <laughs> yes I think he's just upset about these urgent clients <laughs> he agrees um, with us he does so I like I know that lots of copywriters charge a surcharge for urgent projects so they'll say you know if you need it within 48 hours there is a 25% surcharge on top of my regular costs and I'm going to need to be paid 100% up front um, but I've never done that because I don't want to make the compromises that are required. I will not work overnight and I don't want to work on weekends really either. You know, and you know, you have to think about 
even that 25%, is it enough money to justify you, you know, missing your kid's football match or something like that? Um, so there's always a, a good analogy here. I don't know if I've done this one with you before, Belinda, and it's very melodramatic, but it's if someone gave you a million dollars to miss Christmas Day with your child and you couldn't then have it on another day, that was it. You just didn't have Christmas that year and you didn't get to spend it with your child. Would you take the million dollars? Are you asking me now? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's I've seen that question before. Like, I've seen you ask that question before, and I deliberately didn't wait on in because it was like, oh, that's so yeah, tough. Well, think about it. Because, the, about it. you know, because the, the human in me goes, no, 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 the right answer is clearly you want to spend time with your child. But a million dollars? Like, I know, and then you have to go like, well, if it was a hundred thousand dollars, if it was fifty thousand dollars, yeah, and then you start saying, so how much money is enough money for you to miss something important? Which is a really, yeah. it's a really important self question. It is, and it's one that we're going to talk about later in the year when we talk about work-life balance, because you know it might seem petty to give up a Saturday. You know, it's nothing. I'll give up a Saturday morning to work on that project, and if the client's genuinely thankful and they don't then move the deadline out, and they really, you really did help them out of a spot, it can feel rewarding. But you know, if you do that, that should be a once in a while thing because that Saturday morning where you maybe, you know, do a bit of shopping, have a coffee, walk the dog, that's important. You know, don't. And you can't sometimes put a price on that, and it does start to wear you down. And I speak from experience, people. Absolutely. So don't, don't let someone else's emergency become your sleepless night. Belinda wrote that. It's quite good, isn't it? It's actually <laughs> going to be. Can that be our meme of the week? I think I'll so. Start. Meme of the week. So we've got we've got a few more to get through, but we're, we're this is a long part. So who who else should we cover? I've got so many other awful clients I could talk about. I've got. I want to talk about the client who increases the scope because it actually okay, is cool. fairly easy to deal with. It's clients, it could be um, that they forget about pages or something like that or that once you get started, they kind of really like working with you and so they just want to add more and more to the project. The important thing is to draw a line around the project scope and if you see scope creep happening, then you have to let the client know that it's going to cost extra and that you have to requote. So making your proposal really clear about what it includes can just put the kibosh on this kind of client because sometimes it's because they love working with you and sometimes it's because they're a little bit disorganized. So it's just important to go, oh, okay, we're talking about something extra than the scope we agreed in the proposal. So I just want to let you know that this is, is going to be an extra charge to the project. So do you want me to... Um, draw up a new proposal for that now before we start work. I think you have to be really clear about it costing extra and you can't blindside clients at the end of a project, which happened to me once. Um, I just assumed that she knew that it would be extra and it was a terrible shock at the end when there were extra charges for the substantial amount of extra copy that uh, my client was asking. So that was um, it was awkward. So I think it's really easy to deal with if you have everything clear in writing. Have you ever had those kind of scope creepers? 
Yeah, uh, no, I haven't because I do what, exactly what you said. I think you know the only time that happens is when you haven't articulated the scope of the project well in your proposal, so it's too vague, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to write some copy for your website. No, you know, I'm writing this many pages, and how many words are on a page? Because I think the scope, the, the scope creep can often happen within the page. So yes, you've agreed to write like an FAQ page, but how many FAQs are you going to write? Ten or thirty? Oh, big good difference. point. Yeah, you know, and so I think don't think people specify that how many you've said you're going to edit some testimonials well how many are you going to edit you said you're going to write some bios how long are those bios going to be and do you need to speak to the person and is there material there to begin with you know are you working from source material are you doing you just need to lock it all down and write what you know if you don't know if you, if you said you know uh, bios to be written and um, amount unquantified or not specified that's better language isn't it then when it comes to them saying oh there's 10 you can go well we didn't specify that as part of the scope so now i will and the impact of that on the scope is this um so i just you know i don't think proposals should take a whole heap of time but i do think you need to go down to the literal how many pages how many words on a page how many rounds of revisions you know is proofing included are you researching blah 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 blah, blah. So yeah. the more detailed it is the less likely there'll be scope creep and then yeah it's like great love to do that let's fi- i always like to say can we finish what we're doing because i always like to get that locked down and then i'll do those extra pages in a separate deck um you know so it's actually a clean because otherwise then you end up with some pages that are at version three you know what I mean? Because yeah. there may be, and then you've got other pages in the same deck that are at version one, and then you, you're you editing the version one pages, but the client goes, oh, well, while you're doing that, I know these other pages are signed up, but can you add this in? And it's like, nah, separate deck, because these are already up to level three and nearly signed off, and these are brand new, so we'll do those separately. Awesome so. tip, awesome tip. And I think what follows on from this one, we did have another one, but I'm going to jump in with this one right now, which is the free advice people, which is a form of scope creep in a, in a way. And, yes. um, you know, so you've worked with a client, and then they, you know, they ring up and they just want to talk about stuff or they want advice about stuff that has nothing to do with the project that you wrote or is kind of to do with it, but you're just not getting paid for it. Um, so, you know, you can spend hours on the phone talking about marketing and financial strategy and, you know, client ringing up saying, oh, I've just got this question. I'm putting the copy into WordPress. Now, would you, how would you format it? Would you use a H1? It's like, I'm not your WordPress person, you know? Um, So again, with those guys, I think it's, um, I've kind of stolen your bad client here, Belinda, but what I often do with those guys is say, you know, first question, you're going to have to answer, you know, because otherwise you're just rude. And then say, if they ring again, say, hey, look, you know, you, you seem to have a couple of questions. I'm more than happy to answer them for you. How about I, I, I bill you for a couple of hours and then you can call me when you want and I'll just knock the time off those hours until we use it all up. That's fantastic. I like the way you've got these little kind of frameworks for those kind of moments because they can be super awkward as you're going, uh, 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 trying to break into the conversation. So it's really important to have these little lines, scripted lines almost that you can sort of go, let me just stop you right there because it sounds professional as well and it sounds easy. Yes. Yeah. And also I think that's another good reason not to answer your phone. (laughs) (laughs) It's really difficult to say that on the phone, but if someone shoots you a question over email, it's much easier to say, you know, hey, Sue, thanks for your question. I'm actually booked for the next couple of days working on um, other client work. Um, and also, um, since our project scope is, is kind of finished, I'm wondering how you'd like me to handle this. Would you like me to, you know, maybe send you an invoice for a couple of hours and we can knock it off that? Because that, 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 what you've got to do is, 
you know, not make it like a, it, it's a, it's a foregone concu- conclusion that if they're asking you this question, they're going to pay for it. That's, it's just assume that they know that already. Yes. And that all you're, all you're doing with them is asking how they want to pay for it. You're not asking if they want to pay for it. You're asking how. So you say, how do you want to do this? Do you want to set up a, a, a call and I'll, I'll bill you for that? Or do you want me to bill an invoice? Or how would you, or would you like to kick off a new project? You know, and it's, so it's, it's more about the how than the, 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 the why. That's, Does that make sense? Yes, that's a perfect tip because then you're taking that off the table and they often can go, oh, 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 well, no, no. No, no, it's actually, actually, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But again, you know, think about the lifetime value of that client. You know, you've done one job with them. Could this question leave? If they're ringing up saying, I'm thinking I would like to do some email autoresponders and I'm just not sure. Well, hey, you know, they're obviously going to ask you to write those email autoresponders. So, you know, I think every copywriter should probably have in mind, sorry to cut you off there, um, that, you know, 15 minutes. Like most clients will have something like a 15, copywriters will have a 15-minute free consultation. Um, if you've got a client you've already worked with, you should at least give them that 15 minutes because you'd give that to a complete stranger off the street. So, you know, I think at least give them that and then if there's another 15 minutes and another 15 minutes, then they have to start paying. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. Um, well, there just, you go. We're yeah. so in sync. Of course, of course. Um, the <laughs> last one the last one I wanted to mention because we have got some really good clients. We've been talking a lot about bad clients and we have got some good clients. But before we get into the good ones, it's the client who could have written it themselves, but they just don't have time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to mention this one because copywriters will get this client more often than they think. Um, And it's not altogether difficult to manage or work with these kind of clients. It can just be a bit annoying and a bit of a battle of the egos sometimes, I think. And it might be that they did well in high school English or maybe they are actually a really great writer and they genuinely don't have time. But when someone makes a point of telling you that they could have written it themselves, I think there's power plays going on. And that can be kind of difficult to manage. And it's something we've mentioned in a previous pod. And, you know, I think the tip we both gave Kate was just explaining, you know, or reiterating that they've contacted you um, because you're the professional writer and you're going to be doing that for them. Yeah, and I think it's also often if someone comes and says that, look, I've written something, I'm pretty happy with it, um, and I'm, you know, I'm really good at writing, um, but, you know, blah, 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 or I've got this site, I know exactly what I want to say, I just don't have time to do it, I'll often say, and again, this is the luxury of not being desperate for clients, I'll say, well, maybe actually what you need is an editor. Uh, more than a copywriter maybe you just need someone to take give your copy a once over and tidy it up or you know maybe you want someone who you can write the bare bones and they can work it out that's not really me i'm not so much of an editor i'm more of a creator of words rather than a fiddler with words so how about i refer you off to somebody else um again you know and then often that will make them go oh no 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 i do i do actually want a copywriter and uh, you're fine and i'll use you thank you very much yeah um <laughs> you know so maybe draw that distinction and, and explain to them that there is somebody who exists that will just polish up what you've written. It, it might just might not be you. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's a fantastic tip to end with. So let me segue into the positive ones because we've talked a lot about the negative ones. Um, do you have a great client that you uh, wanted to highlight? I do. 
I do. Um, I think the ones I'm most excited about are the ones who are excited about their business. You know, um, there's nothing worse than someone getting on the phone and sounding bored before they've even begun because it, it, it spreads, you know. Um, and I can get excited about pretty much anything. You know, I can get excited about blue widgets if the client is sufficiently excited. So um, uh, in the notes here, Belinda's written passionate, which is my pet hate yeah, word. I knew so, you'd notice that. Yeah, oh, God, man alive. No, but, you know, like enthusiasm, I just did a tip on this in my little group saying, you know, you've got to maintain that enthusiasm. If you're picking up the job and going, oh, you know, it's going to be so hard to write. So you've got to try and reach down into your innards and find that enthusiasm. And often if the client gives you that, it just makes the project a joy, you know, to work on. Um, so yeah. I think enthusiastic clients would be my one. one I of absolutely them. agree. My I love clients because I'm a marketing bod. So I love clients who have thought about their marketing messages. They know their USP, their unique selling proposition. They understand their, that their brand, their business has a personality and they know the kind of person that they want to reach. It's not everyone. They've got that nailed down. I just, I love working with people who have given that stuff more than a fleeting thought because I find those clients really invigorating to work with. That gives me a lot of depth to what I need to write great copies. So I love those ones. I am on the flip of that. I do love those clients. Once in a while, I do love them. But I also love the clients who have no bloody idea and, <laughs> and give me complete free reign, you know. So often a client will come to me, yeah, they've got a few ideas, but they're like, look, we're happy for you to just come up with something and and – and then they kind of love what you come up with. So I like that as well. And, I, you know, I like clients that are just like, do your thing. And um, we, you know, we're not sure. And I'll go back and say, this is your USP. I, I think it's this. This should be your tone. This is your target. <laughs> I quite like that. I know that goes negate some of the stuff we said earlier. I don't think you can do that every time because it does need a lot more effort and energy. Um, but sometimes it's nice to feel like you're part of actually shaping all those decisions rather than taking their decisions and working with them. So I think there's, yeah, I'll there's pros and cons, you know, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes it's nice to have almost paint by numbers. I've got a client at the moment who wrote me this most amazing brief and it's like, really, all I need to do is go in and add in some punctuation, dude, and I've got a <laughs> website. Um, and then there's other ones who are like, it's a blank page and, and they, they both have their own challenges. Um, another one that I've got um, here is uh, the collaborator. And now I work with a very iterative process. So what I mean by this is I don't send finished perfect copy to clients. I do involve them all along the way and let them see my notes and, and my first draft and my messy second draft and unproved copy. And, and it's very much a, a, a group effort. Um, and I love clients who get this. Um, and also clients who treat you with the respect do you deserve and mm -hmm. um, so they don't treat you like a little minion you know they're copy creature in a cupboard that they drag out now and again to write something you know they 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 they, they respect you as a business professional and uh and you know you respect them yeah, absolutely. I would say that's one of my favourite as well. And it's something I like to explain to clients that it is a collaborative process, that we are partners on this. They need to give me information and I need to create awesomeness on the page. But it's definitely 
a partnership. So I like that one too. Um, the one that I mentioned at the beginning, clients who pay on time, you know, because it's not just paying within the 14 days or the 17 days, but clients who get your invoice and pay. And it's, this is not just about money. I don't need to seem like a money grubber here, but it's about this goodwill of you have done this work and I'm happy to fulfill my part of the agreement of paying. And I certainly don't begrudge people who leave it till the last minute to pay. If it's within the terms and conditions, that is a-okay. If I don't have to chase them, that's fine. But it just gives me a thrill when they get the invoice and they go, yep, paid, done. (gasps) I love you. I know. And, you know, we all know that a lot of people we're working with are small businesses. You know, maybe we're not rolling in cash. So, you know, that, that getting that invoice paid quickly and, you know, before a weekend or something like that is, is, is just a nice gesture. And that's something I always try and do with my suppliers is I pay the invoice. I try and pay it pretty much as soon as I get it. I don't sit on it until the 14 days is out just because I can, you know. Yeah, so, me too. And the flip with that again, or the flip or the follow on is the clients who ask you to write more. So, you know, this is something we haven't covered on the pod, but probably something we should. We talk a lot about um, getting new clients and marketing and, you know, all that stuff. But keeping the love, keeping the clients, you know, keeping clients year after year and, and, and maintaining that good relationship. There is an art to that. So, you know, having a client come back to you is after you've done a job and it might be months later is I think one of the most lovely things that you can have in your business. Cause it's, you know, yeah, they've given you a testimonial. Yeah. They paid you quickly, but if they come back, they really did love you, you know, it's loyalty and, and they love your work. So, um, and it gets, you know, you get to continue your journey with them um, without wanting to sound too woo woo. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to be, once you've invested in something and it feels like it's your baby, it's nice to watch that baby grow. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I've got a client now that I've had for for quite some time and we don't even need to do a proper brief anymore because I know I've pretty much written all the copy in their business that that he could just email me and go, we wanted like an extra little blurb that, that kind of sits on yeah. the bottom here and it's something like that. And I, I can just go and do it and there's very few revisions um, and they pay really quickly and it's just nice to have that comfort with the tone and the brand and the business that it's easy. It's easy for him and it's easy for me. Perfect. Well, I think we've done it. I think oh. we've covered lots of bad clients and lots of good clients. So, yeah. Super long episode. I know, but there are lots of different types of clients and copywriters listening, you will have pretty much every one of these clients through your copywriting career. And just because there are a few more difficult or challenging ones than super positive ones doesn't mean they can't be both and hopefully the tips we've given will help you as we said at the beginning get the most out of each client so you can have fantastic projects all the way um so let's end the show with a shout out kate as we always do and i have picked jan underscore 22 known to me as jan not a very secretive code name there, Jen. <laughs> so she says, now this is always well worth a listen. Valuable insights, clever tips and pragmatic advice from two savvy, accomplished copywriters, all generously shared and delivered in a highly engaging down-to-earth style with a good few laughs along the way. Thanks a gazillion, Belinda and Kate. No, thank you, Jen. I love it when Thanks, people say we're entertaining. <laughs> I know. I think they're talking about me, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> no. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. 
All right. And to wrap up, we always say thanks to you for listening. Um, if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. We read out your name. We read out your words. We link to you when we share the pod. Um, and your review helps others find us. Um, so head to hotcopypodcast.com. You'll see a blog post for this episode. You can leave your comments. We always love to hear from people. Um, so until next time, thanks, Kate. Thanks, Belinda. Happy writing. That's all right. I totally didn't notice. Typo blind. Uh, Typo blind. <laughs> <laughs>